If you've turned on the news or seen yard signs as you drive around your neighborhood, you've probably heard, it's an election year. November 5th will be here before we know it, the presidential election. Ponying up at the polls to fill out bubbles with the right pens or dropping off your mail-in ballots ahead of time because you don't want to mess with lines. But there's a lot to learn before then. Not only who you want to vote for, but the bigger question, how does all of this work? Welcome to The Gaggle, a politics podcast by the Arizona Republic and AZ Central. I'm your host, Mary Jo Pitzel. I cover local politics and policy for the Republic. And I'm Sasha Hupka. I cover county government for the Republic. This year, we'll be with you once a month to lift the veil on how elections are run. How do ballots get made? Does hand counting work? And who gets to vote when? This month, we're starting off with our first election of the year. The presidential preference election happens on March 19th in Arizona, and voting will start in about three weeks when mail-in ballots are sent out. Today, we're joined by the man who bought preference elections to Arizona, a politician whose career was defined by a botched preference election and an active county recorder who is working to avoid confusion at the polls. Let's start with a little history lesson. The preference election is probably the most misunderstood and obscure statewide election that Arizona stages. Mary Jo, give us a quick account of what it is and how long it's been around in Arizona. Well, it started way back in 1992 when Arizona lawmakers wanted to move away from the party caucuses that they had been using to pick a presidential nominee. Instead, lawmakers established a, quote, primary preference election to make that choice. But then in 1995, the law was amended substantially, and the word primary was stripped from the title. They wanted to show that the election would show voters' preferences for the candidate who would represent their party in the presidential race. The 1995 law also set a March date for the preference election, which separated it from the standard Arizona primary, which at the time was in September. The goal was to make Arizona more relevant in the presidential sweepstakes. Stan Barnes was an Arizona state senator in 1995. He sponsored the bill that changed the law. Hear what I will call the father of the PPE has to say about the motive for the election's creation. It was probably the most fun thing I got to work on in my six years at the legislature. I loved it. And I loved that my name was the prime sponsor and that I loved that John McCain, my friend, called me and asked me personally to work this out and told me why. I mean, he... He was the chairman of Phil Graham, U.S. Senator Phil Graham's campaign for president, and he wanted uh, two things in the same stroke. He wanted to benefit his friend Phil Graham because he thought he could deliver Arizona, and he wanted Arizona to be relevant in the presidential sweepstakes by going early. So the, the whole genesis of Arizona having a presidential preference election was because of that moment that John McCain, our senior senator, wanted to help his friend Phil Graham and called his young friend Stan Barnes in the state Senate and said, let's do this. And so off we went. The kicker is that nothing's ever easy and partisan politics is always at play. And I, I felt a little uh, uh, sympathetic for my Democratic friends who did not end up supporting it because it was counter to what the Democratic National Committee rules were on when primaries could be held 
But really, all of that is secondary to this interesting point that I got caught up in the excitement of Arizona being the New Hampshire of the West. I still am when I say those words. If Arizona could play a role as pivotal as New Hampshire in presidential nominating for the, for the two major parties, what would that mean to the outcome for the country? I, as an Arizona, as a native, I'm pretty proud of who we are, and I would love it if we actually had that kind of influence instead of that little state, New Hampshire, up there somewhere with 400-something people in their state house of representatives. Uh, I, I, I really like if Arizona could play a role. The PPE has endured for three decades, but it hasn't always been a smooth process. Sasha, can you recap for our listeners some of the key issues that have affected this springtime election? There's two really, really big common hangups. First, there's often confusion over who can vote in these elections. While independents are allowed to select and vote a partisan ballot of their choice during the August primaries, the presidential preference election is limited to Democrats and Republicans only. It's like a big club where independents aren't invited. I talked with Pinal County recorder Dana Lewis, who administers elections in a county where registered Republicans and unaffiliated voters dominate. She said communication is key to avoiding confusion at the polls. The consequence with obviously being voters that are confused and frustrated. What's really great in Pinal County is we really reworked our poll worker training. So staying in the optimist space at all time and making sure that our poll workers, especially ID clerks, have the ability to work with the inspector and, you know, be able to point out statute, be able to talk in a kind and even tone, redirect voters, even sometimes explain to them that we've been doing this messaging and that we hope that voters can continue to be responsible and go check the uh, Pinal County Recorder's website, check the Arizona Secretary of State's website, even Clean Elections Commission. These are all really trusted websites that have valuable information. And when in doubt, going into an election about 30 days, best case scenario, check your registration because there's always going to be a banner at the top of that website that reminds voters what type of an election it is, what you're eligible to vote for in that election. Presidential preference elections can also go wrong if election officials don't have enough polling sites to serve the voters that turn out on Election Day. Maricopa County's 2016 PPE serves as a great example of this issue and of how a botched presidential preference election can have broader political impacts. Back then, Adrian Fontes was not a household name. But that all changed when he turned out at a polling place that looked a little bit more like a chaotic police scene than a voting locale. I was volunteering with one of the presidential campaigns. We started hearing these complaints of long lines early in the morning, and then it got worse and worse and worse. And we got called to actually go to be sort of like monitors for the campaign at a, at a polling place on about 41st Street and Thomas. Uh, there was a Methodist church there at the time. And when we arrived, it was just surreal. It was dusk and they were just clearing up the aftermath of a guy who had had to try to cross Thomas to go back to his car and had been hit by a car. 
and they had taken him away in an ambulance. I don't think he got killed or not. I, I, don't, I never followed up on that story, but there were police cars that still had their lights on. I mean, it looked like a police state, long line going all the way around the building, you know, through the whole courtyard there in that complex. And it was just surreal. And I thought, man, this isn't the way elections are supposed to work in America. And literally that evening after, you know, talking with a bunch of folks, I was like, I got to do something. And I just felt compelled. And so I ended up running for Maricopa County Recorder. And that's how I ended up in election administration. And the interesting thing for me was the same month that I took office, January 2017, elections were declared critical infrastructure by the Department of Homeland Security. So as much as I hear about sort of this more genteel kind of calm way of running elections, I come into elections administration from the beginning with a very security minded sort of like, we've got to get it right attitude, like from the start. So I think that was, it was a shocking intro into this world. And I've kind of carried that with me the whole time. Fontes's determination to do something about that situation led to his successful campaign for Maricopa County Recorder. He ousted the long-serving Helen Purcell. She underestimated the number of polling places that would be needed for the PPE. Although Fontes lost his own re-election bid in 2020, he shifted gears, and in 2022, he was elected Arizona Secretary of State. Mary Jo, I've talked about how independents aren't allowed to vote in the PPE, but why is that? Well, these are internal party affairs. If you're not a voter registered with a political party that is participating in the preference election, you're out of luck. But although these are internal party functions, the public still pays for them. The libertarians have always said no thank you to the state-run preference election. They don't support taking taxpayer dollars for their internal business. The exclusivity of the PPE has caused confusion with independent voters, as Sasha mentioned earlier. They're accustomed to being able to vote in the late summer primary elections. That's because a 1998 citizen initiative opened up state and local elections to all voters, but it didn't add the presidential preference election to the mix. Now, there is a fix. Re-register is either a Republican or a Democrat this year. These are the two parties participating in the PPE. The deadline is February 20th. People can always switch back to their non-affiliated status after the March 19th election. It's also worth noting, and I, I swear this isn't a plug, but the Make Elections Fair Citizen Initiative would open up the preference election to all voters if it makes the 2024 ballot and if voters approve it. So, Sasha, with all this history behind us, how influential is the PPE? I mean, it looks like Trump and Biden are going to be the presidential nominees and we're just a month into this election year. Well, it depends. This year, maybe it won't be that influential. We already have results from Iowa and New Hampshire that leave little doubt that Trump will be the GOP nominee, and Biden is basically running unopposed. In 1996, the first year Arizona staged a PPE, the Democrats didn't even bother to participate. President Bill Clinton, at the time, was pretty much a lock for the nomination. The Republicans chose millionaire Steve Forbes of Forbes magazine fame. But although the vote meant the Arizona Republican Party would commit its 39 delegates to Forbes at the national convention, 
at least initially, the ultimate GOP nominee was Bob Dole. Forbes really didn't do anything besides win Arizona, if I remember right, or or very little. And so we were, we, Arizona, were all pledged into a guy that was not going to be the nominee. Is it relevant now? I I mean, I, I not near as much as I wanted. It's not near as meaningful as I, I had hoped. But I have... I have an optimism that it might end up playing a role in it's not it's not going to in 2024 but it might in 2028 or 2032 i mean it might the the years will come and go and we're still early in the cycle comparatively and as arizona forms itself into the swing state that we are between earliness and swing stateness we might end up being the, the, the Stan Barnes humble dream of 1995 might come to fruition. It just might take 40 years to do so. I don't know. But I I have hope because I honestly believe, as I said in the outset, Arizona's uh, imprint on who is the actual nominee is a worthy thing. I like that gambit better than I like Iowa and New Hampshire. But it's worth noting that Arizona will hold its PPE in March, regardless of whether the nominees are already decided or not. Dana Lewis, the Pinal County recorder, told me she still encourages Republican and Democratic voters to come out to the polls and make their voices heard, whether they're in favor of Trump and Biden or not. So that brings up a good point, Sasha. Font has told me that his 2016 experience showed him the importance of planning and communication, something that he went to work on right after he won the recorder's race. Pinal County had well-documented problems administering its elections during the 2022 midterm cycle. So what does voter trust look like in Pinal heading into this year's elections? Well, there's no doubt that Pinal County officials have a lot of work to do if they want to regain public confidence. It was a blow. Lewis is new to the recorder position, and she's been solidifying the county's election procedures for months. She's hoping that the upcoming presidential preference election is a chance to show voters that things are indeed back on track. Your vote is your voice. And I wouldn't ever want to dissuade somebody because of what they're seeing or hearing or potential out there to not show up. That's my opinion. I I love to see voter turnout. I'm hoping to see voters turnout in droves in 2024 across this state and across this nation. And Again, you know, the energy starts here. Okay, now that we've covered the history and the impact of the presidential preference election, it's time for some basic voter info. Sasha, remind us of the important dates to keep in mind. There's two big dates that you should be marking on your calendars. First, the voter registration deadline is February 20th, the day before early voting begins. Republicans and Democrats who wish to vote should check before then to make sure that they are registered. Independents, if you want to vote, you'll need to re-register as a Republican or a Democrat, as Mary Jo mentioned earlier, and you'll need to get that done before the registration deadline. Secondly, you gotta know when to vote. Early voting starts on February 21st, and Elections Day is March 19th. How many candidates will the Democrats and Republicans have to choose from even if it looks like the game is over. There'll be seven for the Democrats and nine for the Republicans. They include Joe Biden and Marianne Williamson on the Democratic side. On the GOP ballot, you'll see Donald Trump and Nikki Haley, as well as some familiar names of candidates who have since dropped out, 
of the presidential sweepstakes, such as Chris Christie and Ron DeSantis. Anything else on the ballot besides those presidential candidates? Nope, this is strictly presidential. Voters will get a crack at nominees for other elected positions, including the U.S. Senate, during the August primary election. And can I vote by mail in this election? Yes, you can vote by mail, or you can vote in person at polling locations. You'll want to check your county's website to see if you can vote anywhere or if you have a designated polling place. Ballots for overseas and military voters go out on February 3rd. On February 21st, county election officials will mail ballots to voters on the active early voting list and those who requested a one-time ballot. You can request a one-time ballot until March 8th. You'll need to get your mailed ballot back in the post by March 12th to ensure it reaches election officials on time. Otherwise, you can vote in person or drop off your mailed ballot at a Dropbox. Well, why are there people on my ballot who are no longer running for president? And what happens if I vote for them? Well, election officials have to get their ballot drafts done early. And in Arizona's case, the deadline was well before people started dropping out of these races. If you do vote for Ron DeSantis or Chris Christie, or on the Democratic side, someone else, they'll still tally your vote. It's just that it probably won't revive their entire campaign. That is it for this week, Gaggle listeners. And thank you for listening to our first Elections Dissection. Sasha and I will be back next month to answer a new question about how all this works. Is there something about the election process that you're curious about? Or did you learn something new today? Let us know. Send us a voice memo to the gaggle at ArizonaRepublic.com. That's all one word, all spelled out. Or give us a call at 602-444-0804. This episode was edited and produced by Kaylee Monahan. Script writing by Amanda Luberto, Sasha Hupka, and myself, Mary Jo Pitzel. Our news direction is by Kathy Tulamello. Episode oversight by Kara Edgerson. Music comes from Universal Production Music. Never miss an episode of The Gaggle by subscribing to us wherever you listen. Also, be sure to share this episode with a friend. You can also leave us a review and rate us five stars. You can follow The Gaggle on social media at AZC Podcasts. I'm at Sasha Hupka. That's H U P. K-A. And I'm at Mary J. Pitzel. That's P-I-T-Z-L. The Gaggle is an Arizona Republic and azcentral.com production. Ron and I will be back next week diving into a new political issue. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you then.